0: Impact of Influence: The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. Always so grateful that you decided to spend time with us, Matt Harris and Seaton Tucker. Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com on Facebook, Murdoch Podcast, and this episode is All about the Gloria Satterfield fall and the recent illegal filings that have occurred due to Alec Murdoch's recent statements.
1: Yes, last episode, we discussed a filing by Alec Murdoch's defense team trying to bring the Satterfields into this federal court lawsuit. And Bland, Eric Bland, the attorney for the Satterfield family, held a press conference in which he said that he believes that the press and the public are being played and does not agree with anything that Harpootlian and Griffin are saying in Alex's defense.
0: Uh, yes. The idea, he says that it's a false narrative misinformation campaign to propose that the Satterfield's two sons be on the hook for possibly having to pay compensation to Nautilus. That's what uh, Ronnie Richter told reporters and Satterfield's two sons have collected 7.5 million in settlements from others allegedly involved in Murdoch's scheme, to divert the 3.8 million from Nautilus to himself, but none of the settlement money the heirs have collected came from Nautilus. Land said the 7.5 mil is the collective amount from settlements from Murdoch's former former law firm, PMPED, attorney Corey Fleming and his law firm, banker Chad Westendorf and his bank, Palmetto State Bank, and the Bank of America, and none of the parties admitted any fault.
1: Yes. And I also think we should point out that land was successful in collecting more than the original settlement that the Satterfields were supposed to receive.
0: Much more. Much more, actually. Yes.
1: And after the press conference, they released the audio of Alec Murdoch being interviewed by the insurance adjuster for Nautilus and also the entire report from Nautilus Insurance Company.
0: So let's hear some of the interviewed with uh, Alec, and we'll stop and comment as we go through it. Let's begin.
2: My name is Bryant McGowan. Um, I'm in Moselle, South Carolina. Today is um, Thursday, March 29th. Time's approximately 11.15 a.m. I'm meeting with Alexander Um, Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch, you understand I'm recording this statement? Yes, sir. And I'm doing so with your permission? Yes, sir. Can I have your full name, please? Richard
3: Alexander Murdoch.
1: There we hear it from the horse's mouth, how he pronounces his name. We've had a lot of questions about that.
3: He says Murdoch. Yep.
1: And I've been told that Murdoch was the more formal way to pronounce his name, but Murdoch was, or Murdoch, was how they pronounced it amongst friends. So that makes me think he's kind of trying to possibly endear this investigator to him.
2: Okay, see you more. Why don't you just go ahead and start off by filling me in as to how your day unfolded that day.
3: I went to work that morning, and I received a phone call from my wife that Gloria was injured, um, seriously injured, and uh, asking me if I could come home. I immediately left and uh, headed to Moselle. Uh, it's about a 12 to 13 minute ride under normal circumstances. And I was, I appreciated the fact that this was a serious injury. So I would estimate that I made it in probably 10 minutes or so upon arriving, uh, found Gloria, my wife, my son, Paul, and my employee, Ronnie Freeman on the, we call it a, patio for lack of a better term, landing area at the bottom of the steps. Gloria was uh, there uh, sitting up. uh, Big pool of blood. A lot of blood on the side of her face. And uh, shortly after I arrived here, EMS arrived and tended to her.
0: Okay, so important parts of that, one is that he says he's there before the paramedics.
1: Yes, and Fitz News had an article this week that disputes this. There is an investigator named Steve Peterson who worked for Andy Savage, and Andy Savage briefly represented Sandy Smith, so if you're following me. Um, and he talked to one of the caretakers, and the caretaker disputes that Alec Murdoch arrived before a emergency medical services.
0: Was Ronnie Freeman was there. And I also want to point out the steps, by the way, there's a picture of the steps we've seen it before, but in case you've forgotten it, it's not a giant staircase. It is uh, six to eight steps, probably maybe six steps. And it's not a whole story, even steps. So let's hear some more of Alex's interview.
2: You said you, when you left for work that morning, you, you didn't know that Gloria was going to be coming to work. I mean, coming for any purpose
3: to the I, house. I didn't know that that day. Right. Well, my, my wife knew she was coming.
2: Okay. Um, did you, you? And when you talked with your wife, you understood that she was coming for what reason?
3: Gloria was coming to be paid. My mom inadvertently left town without paying Gloria for work and had asked Maggie to pay her. On her behalf. And so Gloria was coming here to get paid. Okay. So that's
0: important for the fact of the whether it's a workers' comp claim or not. Was she coming to work or just to pick up a check?
1: Right. And in the Fitz News article, Peterson says that Freeman, who is, again, a, a, an employee, a caretaker at the Moselle property, says that, Gloria would come through every day around eight thirty. She'd walk up to the house. She would have her McDonald's cup and her purse on her shoulder, and that was every morning. So,
0: the implication there, is there that Ronnie Freeman's saying that she was that she was coming to work. Yes, and that's not how Ellick would want it to play out. Exactly.
2: And were you able to speak with Gloria uh, before she was taken away in the ambulance? I was. Okay.
3: did uh, Did you ask her what, what happened? sure. I asked her what happened. I mean, the first thing I was making sure that Gloria tr- tr- I was trying to assess her mental capability at the time. Did she know where she was? Did she know what was going on? That type of thing. And, you know, asking her if she knew me. Did she know Maggie? Did she know Paul? Did she know Ronnie? Did she know where she was? So. How was she responding to those she knew. She knew those things. She knew where she was. She knew... Who I was. I mean, she she obviously was not functioning in that full capacity, but she did. I mean, she knew those things. Okay.
1: Well, this is the big question. Was he telling the truth in this interview or in his latest court filings where he denies that this ever happened? Well, and,
0: and remember the 911 call. She's not aware. She's not awake at all. Alex, not even there. When you hear Maggie and Paul.
1: And they say she's not able to communicate. She's mumbling.
0: Yeah, she's mumbling. She can't communicate. So the they're saying, I guess, from the end of the 911 call till the EMS arrives. In that little window, Ellicott is saying he arrives, and she's just—
1: She got she, some clarity.
0: She got j- jabby-jawed, uh, all the kind of details he'd ever need to make this fly. But uh, it sounds suspect to me, and I'm surprised he just didn't listen to the 911 call and be like, something's, something's crazy here.
1: Well, I, Again, Alec has massive credibility issues, yes. and I don't think that we will ever know because the other people who were there that day, besides the two caretakers, are no, no longer with us.
0: No, but the but the EMT, the emergency people, can say whether Alec was there when they got there or not. Well, that's true. That would blow a whole, the whole blow the whole case out of the water. if They're like he wasn't there. Then everything he is making up. He never talked to Gloria, and that blows everything out of the water.
1: Well, and there's questions to why. The insurance investigation did not question the other two people who were there.
0: There's more than two other people if you count the paramedics. So I assume there's two paramedics. True. And then there is a caretaker and another employee of the Murdochs. All right, let's listen to more of the interview.
2: Now, um, here at your home, I know you and I covered a lot of information regarding the dogs you've got. Yes, Um, Why don't you just go down the, the, I think you said you have
3: four dogs. Four dogs. We have Bubba who is a yellow lab and he's the oldest. Estimate that he's probably six years old. We have uh, Bourbon who is a chocolate lab who I estimate is probably a year and a half old, Uh, maybe younger than that. It's a year and a half at the oldest. We have uh, Blue who I estimate is a year old uh and and, excuse me blue is a lab labrador poodle mix a labradoodle (laughs) and um then we have sassy who is a german short hair who is six months no more than six months old
0: okay so there's the list of dogs people always wonder about the dogs
1: Yes, we've gotten so many listener questions about that, especially where Bubba was, and we know now after the hearing that she is, or he is, with Wonka.
0: And we know that Bubba was the star of the trial, of the murder trial, and he is a rampunctious one. We know that yes. from all the the talk. Let's uh, continue on with the interview.
2: And w- when you were talking with uh, Gloria before she was taken away, did she did she uh, describe? the chain of events in any way to you? Obviously, she was she was out of it. She but. indicated that the dogs had caused her to fall. Okay. And she was at the base of the front steps.
3: She when, was. When you arrived. My understanding, was well, she was sitting on the base of the steps when I arrived. Now, my understanding from my wife, when she found her, she was unconscious, unconscious and uh, her head was on the landing area and Her feet were up the steps, so she was like she was upside down. Well, I think she was laying on her back or on her side, but her feet were up on like the second step, and her head was on the ground, so she was literally on the steps with her head down on the brick landing area.
0: Okay, and that jives was kind of what they were saying on the 911 call, but I still find it interesting that he's explaining all this, but he's not saying. Anything about the nine one one call? He doesn't say I get there and Paul's on the phone. Uh, you know they had just hung up. There's no mention of the nine one one call. I find that weird. Uh, here's some more of the interview.
2: Um, and she was familiar with uh, Bubba, Blue, and Sassy. Uh, did she ever have any problems with either uh, any of those dogs? No. Okay.
3: She was familiar with yeah. She was familiar with them and. Um, I mean she would have been familiar with bourbon before she went off to um, I, I don't it. know if we ever had her I'm trying to think I don't know that we ever had bourbon at home before but she was certainly familiar with bourbon I mean with Bubba blue and, and sassy. sassy okay
2: um, did she did, during the course when she would be
3: working for you would she feed the dogs sure okay I mean there have been occasions where she did okay all right now,
2: I'm trying to think of anything. Did you ever have any other incidences um, involving any um, problems with the dogs being aggressive or any any similar? I, I guess any kind no. of incident with uh, a we, complaint about
3: the dogs. We've never had any issue with any of the dogs being vicious or aggressive in the sense of of, um, of violence or biting or attacking or any of that. And, and the, the problem is, and why we sent Bourbon to obedience school is, as I told you earlier, she would, I mean she's so hyper she would stir, all the dogs get stirred up and they compete for the to be petted and to be, uh, to get attention. And so, you know, what I'm assuming happened is when Gloria pulled up, the dogs are, you know, rushing her- you For know, affection. For affection. And, and you know- <laughs> Not bur- aggression, and, but affection. And, 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 you know, bourbon had only been back for a day or so. So, you know, okay. it, it, the, that the way they all do when bourbons here is different than they do when it's just them. Okay.
1: I mean, poor Bourbon, he's the, he's he's the fall guy.
0: He's getting framed, man. He's getting framed by Alec on this one. Bourbon is uh was the chocolate lab retriever, described as hyperactive. It says in the uh filing and uh that was the dog had just gotten back from obedience school.
1: You know, and also this adjuster and Alec seem to be kind of friendly. I have questions of whether they possibly knew each other.
0: That is interesting. All right, well, here's some more. So, uh the people that were that were
2: on On site when the ambulance came were were you, your wife Maggie, your son, um, Paul, Paul and an employee of yours, Ronnie Freeman. That's correct. And was anybody with um, uh, Gloria. Gloria when she drove up, I assume she drove her own car here? That's correct. And was there anybody in the car with her? No, sir. Okay. So there was no witness to to the chain of events to the fall itself. Right. No, sir. Not okay. that I'm aware of. Okay. And do you have any surveillance cameras around the exterior of
0: the home? No, sir. Okay. Okay. So first of all, he doesn't call him paw Paul. No. in this particular time in front of a uh, authority.
1: And we hear that there were no surveillance cameras. And that was a big question during the murder trial. Why right. there are no surveillance cameras on this rural property.
0: Yeah. I, well, they just assume they're safe. I guess. I guess. I mean, they had the some trail cameras. We know that, but that doesn't help any of the areas where things were going on. But that is very unusual. I would think for someone to not have even a ring camera. Well, oh, but that was twenty eighteen. Not sure when the ring camera thing started. Well,
1: don't try to break into my house because I have cameras everywhere.
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to try. Don't worry. But I know I have those. Really.
1: Yes, I have teenagers. (laughs) Yes.
0: That's why most people I know have cameras, is to to see when their teenagers are coming and going. Yes. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or a tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app Out there, they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off, unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com/backslash today. Well, that brings us to our guest today: South Carolina attorney Chad McGowan, founding partner of McGowan, Hood, Felder, and Phillips. Chad represents those who have been catastrophically injured as a result of others, like physicians, hospitals, and commercial vehicle operators. His extensive experience trying cases in front of a jury and is the only attorney in South Carolina history to have three jury verdicts of medical malpractice cases over $10 million. Additionally, Chad has the current record for the largest personal injury settlement to a single plaintiff in excess of $40 million. He has been recognized as a South Carolina super lawyer every year since 2009 and is a member of the American Board of Trial Advocates, the South Carolina Association for Justice, and the American Association for Justice. Chad graduated from Emory Law School in '95, and was then a law clerk for a federal judge, he then opened his own firm, which has evolved into the present day McGowan, Hood, Felder, and Phillips. He is admitted to practice the state and federal courts of South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia. Thanks for coming on, Chad. Appreciate it. Hello. My pleasure. Happy uh, to be here. Let's uh, start with something would be pretty basic to you, but maybe not to everybody, which is what Alex was doing, workers' comp versus the umbrella policy. Why is he guiding the insurance pump people away from workers comp to umbrella?
4: All right. So in South Carolina, unless you have a certain number of employees, you are not subject to the workers comp law. I believe it's three employees. If you have less than three employees, you're not subject to the workers comp law. Okay. And so the way that a domestic employment situation gets handled would be through traditional insurance and and tort remedies versus workers' comp. And the main difference between those is workers' comp does not require that you show that the employer was at fault. If an injury happens while at work, you get some compensation. And in exchange for that more definiteness for the for the injured party is that there are limits on the amount of recovery. That doesn't really apply if you don't have enough employees to be subject to the law to begin with.
1: And that's in question because it's been reported that there were two other employees there at the time of the accident, a caretaker mm-hmm. named Ronnie Freeman and another employee Travis Martin. So my question is is there an advantage for it to be workers comp rather than
0: falling under the umbrella policy? And the big money's sure. going to come the big money's going to come from the umbrella policy, right?
4: Well, the it, for for a a workers comp claim there are there are limits on how much you can recover. So a death case of someone of Ms. Satterfield's age range It's going to be based on a work life expectancy. It's probably going to be, you know, $200,000 at the most, just under the Mm -hmm. rules that apply in workers' comp. Traditional tort, which is non-workers' comp, it's whatever a jury would ultimately award in the case, which
0: could be millions. If she slips and falls versus dogs knocking her down, what is the difference there? So
4: in order to have tort liability, which is liability through the civil system, you have to show fault or negligence. And if she was tripping over her own feet, for instance, or just fell or got dizzy and as a result fell, or you don't know what happened, there would be no recovery for the Satterfield family. If they could show that the Murdoch family or Alec or whomever was there was somehow negligent, failing to restrain an unruly dog, for instance, and caused it is at fault for the injury. Then you can hold the Murdos and their insurance company for that libel for their fault in causing the injury.
1: We've had a lot of listener questions about the dollar amount of this settlement. It was close to four million dollars, and Gloria was an hourly employee who only made ten dollars an hour. Is this unusual?
4: So there, there, there are two reasons that I'm that I can discuss about why that particular settlement would be as high as it was. The first is the county where it happened is known for being pretty liberal, and especially if there's a, um, a death of someone like Ms. Satterfield, life is very um, valuable to, at least from a monetary standpoint, for folks in that county, and they're known for giving very large verdicts uh, for death cases and injury cases generally. Same case in, for instance, Greenville County or Lexington County, South Carolina. The, the inherent value is not going to be there just because people have a different view on the role of money in the civil justice system. So county matters. Higher verdicts is one thing. The other, which I think is probably more important, is that it's really hard to defend a case if the defendant is throwing the case. Meaning that if the defendant is Alec Murdoch, if he is throwing the case saying it's my fault, this never should have happened, yeah, we knew the dog was crazy and was going to cause a problem, then that makes it almost impossible to defend the case on the merits. And so you don't have the ability to take a discount as the insurance company to say you might not win it because they're going to win it. And it's in a bad county. It's not in a bad county. It's in a good county For, from a plaintiff's standpoint. So right. those two factors, that the defendant was going to throw the case essentially by admitting the problem, admitting he was at fault, and the location where it occurred led to that amount of a settlement.
1: When we spoke the other day, you talked about this Tiger River, uh, I don't know, what we call it a clause or...
4: Yeah, it's called the Tiger River Doctrine in, in South Carolina. And basically what that says is an insurance company is not allowed to gamble with their insured's money. So in this particular case, Alec Murdoch would have written to the insurance company and said, you have to settle this case. I demand you settle this case within limits because I don't want my money, my assets at risk. That puts the insurance company in a bit of a pickle because if it's reasonable for them to settle and they don't, they've essentially now gotten rid of the limit of the policy. So if a jury under those circumstances was to award $10 million and there's only $5 million in coverage, the insurance company would be on the hook for the other $5 million, essentially uh-huh. an unlimited insurance policy. And it's a way to put pressure on insurance companies to settle cases in circumstances that need to be settled where they may otherwise want to fight it.
1: So you don't find it that unusual that the insurance company made this settlement?
4: The insurance company, just based on what I know, was in a bit of a bind, and that is they're in a very unfriendly-for-them county. They have a defendant who is essentially admitting liability by virtue of the way this went down, and they were no doubt put under pressure by Alec Murdaugh and his lawyers that says, you need to settle this case. And whether that was done formally as a Tiger River letter, as we call them, or just being on the phone with them saying, settle this case, settle this case, settle this case, the insurance company was in a bit of an untenable
0: position at that point. So Alec settles, uh, takes the money, runs. But I have a question. He's, he's settling, but will he be yet? Does he lose all potential of ever getting insurance again? Or is it insurance rates go way up? Or does what happens after that?
4: Well, they, they, generally speaking, they, they, that company would probably choose not to do business with someone in that circumstance again. Nautilus would probably say, no, thank you. Uh-huh. But that's not to say there's not 500 other companies that would be delighted okay. to, to um, write that business. And, and mm-hmm. one of the reasons is that, you know, what are the odds of lightning striking twice? True. And so, so many companies will say, well, you, you know, that was an odd thing to happen, and it's unlikely to happen again. Although with some families, it seems more likely than others. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's move on to the lawsuit Nautilus has filed in federal court. Explain it to us.
4: Okay, so the, the, the lawsuit is, is the best lawsuit. The one that's got merit is Nautilus versus Murdoch. And that is saying, Alec, you and yours lied to us. You committed a fraud on us. And as a result of that, we are out money. Now the money that we're out ended up going to you and some others. It didn't go to this claim, but we are out money that you lied about and you shouldn't have done that. That's pretty basic, straightforward. Mm Mm-hmm. For Murdoch then to point the finger at the Satterfield children and their lawyers is nonsense because, from their perspective, they had a claim mm-hmm. that against these third parties, the bank and you know, the law firm and some others for, for essentially taking stealing their money
0: mm-hmm.
4: for those that did. That claim is settled and resolved, and at this point, it is not possible to be undone. Because everybody knew there could be uncertainty, everybody knew there was risk, and they decided to get rid of that risk and uncertainty in exchange for a payment. They signed off. They signed off on it, and that's sort of what, when we write these releases, they say things like, all claims known and unknown, accrued and unaccrued from the beginning of time to the end of the universe kind of stuff. And it's designed to be as broad as possible so that once the deal is signed and the check changes hands, it's done. And you can't really go back on it
1: confused. Why is Nautilus owed money back? Well, Does that make
4: sense? because yeah, because Nautilus never should have paid a penny to anybody to begin with. Mm-hmm. Because this was a this was a bogus. They say they right. they say this is a bogus claim that was based on lies and fraud. And as a result, the fact that they paid dollar $1, one was based on Alex fraud. Right. Now they're not trying to get it back from the Satterfield boys or anybody. They're trying to get it back from the person who they say defrauded them, which. You know, given the amount of money he actually got from it, that seems like a pretty good argument.
0: They, But they get in line with all the people that want money from Malik, right? Yes, that's right. And from what
4: I understand, that line is very, very long and very cranky.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) we also, in this suit, I believe, I think Palmetto State Bank is named and Fleming and Westingdorf, who worked for Palmetto State Bank. I think there are a few other people that potentially they could receive money from.
4: That's right, because those are the people that, that took the money. Right. I think that's, I mean, I probably should add an allegedly in there, at least for everybody, but Mr. Murdoch, who's admitted it, Um, the, they are the, they are the custodians. They have the money. They have the ill gotten gains. Now they probably spend it or pay taxes or not, or who knows, Um, but they were the recipients of that money. And Nautilus says this money was procured by fraud. I'm tracing it to where it into whose hands it is. And I want it back.
0: Right. So that's where it'll end right now is everybody will try to not also try to get a little piece from the people in the lawsuit, but the Satterfields are, they don't have to worry about anything uh, at all.
4: If if I were their lawyers, if I were an Eric Blaine and company, I would tell them exactly what Eric's telling them, which is you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. They're trying to, this, this Murdoch crowd is trying to victimize you again by saying that this was all a fraud and that they're supposed to come after you now Hmm. that that so. That's what's that in my judgment. That's what's occurring.
0: Do what is the upside to Alec doing this? Because obviously it's not going to change you know, the, the money situation. He's broke. He's got nothing. To, he's not going to pay anybody.
1: Well, and he, but, he confessed judgment. He had, a, he
0: confessed that he did this. And two days of testimony where he went through all of this stuff. Yeah. So why is he doing it now? I mean, why is he come out now? I, I really don't
4: understand the strategy behind trying to impune the Satterfield heirs and the lawyers. I don't know why they, I don't know what, I don't know what advantage that gives them uh, under the circumstance.
0: I think John was saying that maybe he wants to get a federal charge. So we go to a federal pen. Is that something that could happen?
4: Well, I mean, the fed, the feds are going to do what they're going to do regardless. And whether, True. you know, whether he's in there, you know, admitting or, de- you know, denying a dog did it or not. I mean, the federal government is, they're going to bring a case based on the evidence or they're not. And and so I don't think that would have any impact one way or the other. I mean, it, it may be something as banal as let's just cause them some trouble.
0: I mean, who knows? One question was asked of me, and I think I know the answer to this, but someone who, like Alec, who has done personal injury stuff forever, they're like, how, how was he so quick to figure out to say it was the dog's when you know he didn't have they said it was right from the get-go he like went to a restaurant and started saying oh my dogs 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 does that surprise you on how they your attorney minds work (laughs) well i mean you you, you're assuming
4: that this was actually an accident true which it may you know who knows what the evidence is it it may not have been right because if you if you're going to you it's It's okay to be quick-witted, but to come up with a purported scheme of this kind that I'm going to falsely claim it was dogs when it wasn't, and it just so happened that she fell and you know essentially had a fatal injury. And but it's sh- now that we go immediately to the dogs means that you're either you're really, really, really up on fraud. and you're like, man, I'm just waiting for my opportunity or there's something more to it. I mean, who <sighs> knows? I got gotcha, you.
1: And gotcha. we should mention that SLED still has an open investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield.
0: Correct.
4: Well, We just don't know what the underlying facts are, but ooh. I could construct a set of facts where if one had nefarious intent and they knew about insurance and homeowners coverage and all this kind of stuff where, you know, we'd leave, you know, we may be leaving marbles on the staircase or it might be a little nudge <laughs> nudge. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's, wow. yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the evidence is, but, but to be that quick with a, with a purported scheme of this kind would be, would be pretty impressive amount of illegality or there was more deliberation that has yet to be
0: interesting discovered. This has been great, Chad really appreciate it, man.
1: We appreciate you coming on.
0: My pleasure. Good to talk to you anytime. All right, man, we'll talk soon. We wanted to uh, bring up something about last episode when Snyder was on talking about Parker's and the, Mallory Beach lawsuit.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's been some pushback about the culpability of Parker's in the boating accident. And we are willing to talk to anybody. We like to hear all sides, present everything as we've done all along. And we invite anybody to talk to us and present their side.
0: Right. Uh, of course, When that's reasons there are lawsuits because – Some attorneys feel this way, and some attorneys feel this way, and then there's a judge or a jury. So you have opposing views? Pitch us.
1: Absolutely. And also, all along, if we've made a mistake, which with the volume of information in this case, we've made a few along the way, and we always correct them and admit them, we're not scared
0: of it. Not scared at all. Believe it or not, we've made mistakes. I know you. we don't want to admit it. No, we do. We <laughs> gladly admit it. All right, reach out. How do they find us?
1: You can find us on Facebook, which is Murdoch Podcast, or on our website, which is MurdochPodcast.com.
0: Email me, MattHarrisPodcast at gmail.com, and we'll talk soon, friend. Did you guys hear about that couple that
1: went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was
0: planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me.
4: On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? Ah! That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new
0: episode.
3: 911, what's your emergency?
0: But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation.
3: American Vigilante, now.